name is Amanda Thomas Johnson. Um, I'm a British-born uh, African-Caribbean writer. Um, now I do my PhD at Cornell. Um, prior to coming here, I lived in uh, West Africa and Senegal for, for about three years. Um, and while there, um, I met someone called Greg Thomas, a professor, I think, at Tufts University. Um, he is now. Um, and he had just got back from opening an exhibition, actually, um, on Kwame Toure um, in Guinea, um, which is a country he lived in for the last 30 years of his life. Um, and uh, he encouraged me to like do some more research into it. So I put me in touch with um, uh, Toure's son, Boka. Um, and from there, I began to sort of um, meet and speak with some of um, Toure's comrades, former comrades in, in Dakar, Senegal. Um, until eventually I actually jumped on a, on a bus, um, well, a number of buses, um, over the course of 50 hours, maybe, <laughs> um, and, and, made it, and made it to Conakry, Guinea, um, where I sort of dove into the archive, um, spoke to, you know, the wife of the former Guinea's first president, Sekutore, spoke to, you know, people that lived in this neighbourhood. I visited the homes um, Kwame Ture lived in. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I think, I think also as well, I think it's worth mentioning that um, Kwame Ture is born in Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago, um, the place that my parents um, were also from. Um, and my my father um, would would talk about the fact that Stokely Carmichael had changed his name to Kwame Ture. Um, he, he always used to emphasize um, that for some reason. Like, he never really said much more, but he used to emphasize <laughs> that for some reason. So so you know, in a way, he was pointing me towards like right. the African years of of his life. <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, that yeah, that's kind of how it happened. Thanks so much. And I'm curious to talk a little bit about before he became Kwame Ture before he kind of engaged more with Pan-Africanism. And can you talk a little bit about his upbringing in Trinidad and then moving to the United States? It's hard to cover all of the political activity he was engaged with in the U.S. because it's so broad. But just a little bit about the different movements he was involved in, how his political thought began to change over time from the influences in the Black Panther Party, Malcolm X, and as it's developing. Sure, yeah. So... um so, so Ture Tur is born in uh, forty two in, um, in in Trinidad. He's born in um, in Port of Spain, a part of Port of Spain called Belmont. Um, um, and he grows up in a household um, in which his aunt um, is um, a, a supporter of someone called Buzz Butler. And and, and Buzz Butler really was um, the leader of the nineteen thirties um, Labour um, sort of uprisings um, in, in in Trinidad and Tobago, um, when you know oil workers. Um, you know, sort of, um, you know, rose up and demanded um, sort of independence and more sort of concessions from from Britain. You know, it was a, it was, it was a colony at that time, um, and and so that was an early influence um, on him. Um, he then moved to the US um, around ten eleven, um, and uh, lived in New York. Um, and another early influence was you know he went to Bronx, uh, Bronx, Bronx High School, I think it is. Um, and, uh, you know, he sort of came across, um, sort of, um, you know, you know, white leftists, um, you know, leftist Jews and, um, whatnot who, um, you know, introduced some sort of socialist ideas, communism and, you know, this sort of stuff. So he was sort of engaged in with that sort of stuff, um, you know, as a teenager, um, and at 19, he, he joined SNCC, um, um, which is, uh, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, um, the, the younger, um, student-led, uh, section of the civil rights movement, um, and, you know, they were active in the South, uh, Southern United States, um, sort of trying to break Jim Crow, freedom riding, you know, trying to break um, sort of segregation. Um, you know, for this, he, you know, obviously sees the, the hard hand of the police and, you know, violence and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, while he, um, you know, is committed at this point, 
um, to working alongside, you know, Martin Luther King um, and, and, and to nonviolence. Over time, um, as he tries to sort of organise uh, black people in the South, um, for example, to registering people to vote, um, trying to um, basically, um, you know, get um, a you know, political party sort of um, chosen in the uh, Democratic Caucus, um, and, and these um, attempts are rebuffed, he becomes more radicalised, effectively, right? And SNCC becomes more radicalised. And, you know, of course, the, this sort of period, the early 60s, is also a period of decolonization. Yeah. There's stuff happening around the world. Um, they're, they're starting to read, like, Fanon, Malcolm X. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been an influence there. And you start to see a split with, within, within SNCC. Yeah. Um, you, you, in one direction, it's sort of John Lewis, um, who, you know, the senator who passed away not too long ago. Um, he sort of stays sort of, you know, sort of close proximity to, to Luther King but in another direction it's H. Rat Brown um, and, uh, and and Stokely Carmichael um, and they become more radicalised um, to the point where um, they effectively um, you know become leftists um, you know, they, 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 they start to oppose the war in Vietnam they start to um, have a a more sort of um, global take um, a, a global critique um, of you know of America connecting um in Stokely's words, what they see as the colonial situation of black people um, in the US um, to the colonial situation um, of um, of others abroad in American imperialism, American imperialism abroad. Right. Um, in, you know, in the um, uh, examples being, um, you know, in Israel, in, in you know, in Vietnam, right. um, and elsewhere. Um, so that 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 sort of helps to um, sort of radicalize him, um, and 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 Stokely sort of moves from the civil rights into a more militant position, and he obviously is a progenitor of this. Um, Black Power, um, you know, slogan in '66. Um, things, you know, move um, move further as well, and, and and you know, there's really a point where you know, sort of enemy number one, really, you know, FBI is sort of after him, um, as they are after other, you know, what they what they call, you know, Black Messiahs. You know, the, right. he, he becomes honorary prime minister of the Black Panthers, um, but the sort of pressures that he's under um, effectively force him to to, to move abroad right. um, with his wife Miriam Makeba. And in nine, early 1969, they board a plane um, to Guinea, um, and moved to Guinea, um, and and they're there under the at the invitation of Secretary Guinea's okay. president um, and Guinea's co-president, who is Kwame Nkrumah, um, who is now living in Guinea um, after being deposed um, in Ghana, where he'd um, become the first president of an independent Ghana in 1957. Um, and 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 Toure, even though he's back in the US for a long time, um, he spends he's based in Guinea for the rest of his life and he dies in 1998. Um, and this is where you start to see his pan-Africanism, his pan-Africanism phase really start to take off right. from 1969 onwards. I would say. Yeah. Thanks so much. And I, I'm curious to talk a little bit about the experiences he has while he's in Guinea. So you mentioned in the article uh, that he is present during the Portuguese invasion of Guinea. Uh, can you explain a little bit about the context of what was happening with the war in Guinea-Bissau and the PAIGC under Amilcar Cabral and why... Portugal was invading Guinea and, and how Kwame Tori became involved in this situation, what his reaction was to it and, and how it affected the events that would unfold later on while he's in Guinea. So, um, you know, Guinea, uh, Guinea-Conakry, um, as I should make clear, um, is, you know, sort of situated in West Africa, on you know, the coast of West Africa, to the north of Senegal. Um, Ivory Coast is, is there, um, Sierra Leone is is, um, is, is also an expert as well, but also Guinea-Bissau. Mm-hmm. Um, Guinea-Bissau, small country, um, and, and a Portu- former Portuguese colony. And at, at, at this time, um, it is waging a liberation war 
um, against um, you know, for independence from Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, but the PA, PAIGC, led by Cabral, Amakar Cabral, is based in Conakry itself, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so um, Guinea becomes this sort of like target, um, you know, for, um, you know, by Portugal, even by France as well. Um, and effectively, and it was interesting because when I was in Guinea, um, people seem to confirm this. I mean, I, right. I didn't think they were there, but there's there, there's, a, there's a feeling or a belief that this took place, which is um, the, the Portuguese launched an invasion um, of Guinea um, and their target really is Cabral and the PA IGC. Um, and what I'm told, and Kwame Ture does say this as well, is that as they're disembarking from the ships um, on the beach in, in, in Conakry, mm-hmm. um, Ture and his wife, Miriam McCabe, are the first to spot them. Wow. And the first to inform um, President Secretary that invasion is underway, wow. um, and you know that you know the alarm is sounded, and you know um, troops are you know sort of um, recruited, you know out into the streets, whatever. Um, and um, you know Touré talks about in his autobiography, um, "Ready for Revolution," um, sort of driving through the streets of Conakry and sort of having to duck as sort of firefights. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot happening, um, and you know, in the end, uh, you know, the, the invasion is is sort of repulsed. Um, but I think um, what what that made clear, and this happens in 1970, so a year after he's arrived, um, what that really shows him is is really how precarious Guinea's situation is, right? You know, he's, mm-hmm. you know, Touré is talking about um, imperialism, right? He's talking about, you know, imperial powers like Portugal, right. France. Um, he's talking about, um, you know, black power and the need for Africans to defend themselves, stand up. Um, and, and this really is a sort of manifestation of that, right? Um, so he, he literally... Um, has a hand in sort of helping to, um, you know, you know, prevent this, uh, um, this, um, th- this invasion, um, and I think um, this this actually was was a sort of pattern um, in Guinea um, at the time. Um, Guinea Guinea had largely rejected um, the continuation of France's empire mm-hmm. um, and sort of broken away from that community, unlike you know neighbouring Senegal and Ivory Coast, um, and so becomes a target of like. You know, covert um, efforts by the French, for example, and he, you know, sort of try and crash his economy by printing counterfeit, um, you know, copies of his notes, um, and, and 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 all sorts of intrigues. You know, there's 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 one one occasion where you know President Sekoutoure, I think, is riding through Conakry, and you know, someone sort of you know appears with a knife, and he has to you know sort of um, there's a tussle, and they're sort of fighting like you know in the streets in the middle right. of the city, right? You know, this this sort of stuff is happening, right? Yeah. Um, so and I think he wrote that he fought off. The yeah, he, he literally had to fought, fight off the attack himself, right? You know, with, you know, with his own bare hands, right? So, um, so 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 Guinea, so Guinea is is an isolated place. Um, it's it's a place that's under threat, under attack, um, and in some ways, I think uh, Turi witnessing this Portuguese invasion um, confirms to him, um, you know, how how he sees the world in very sort of graphic graphic terms. And with that, I'm I'm curious about commentaries the development of his relationship with the PDG, uh, the ruling party in Guinea with Sekutore, you write in the article kind of about uh, Kwame Ture's defense of Sekutore while there there is obvious repression occurring under this government. And also the fact that Sekutore never took a very clear position in the Cold War. You know, he was quite non-aligned. And I wonder if you can talk a bit about in the process of doing your research, going and doing interviews with people who experience this repression, like you talked about in the article, interviewing a, a victim of, you know, the repression mm-hmm. in Guinea under Secretary, the kind of difficulty of, of, of puzzling out Kwame Ture's political thoughts, 
what he made of Secretore, his his kind of it seems like he defended him quite clearly and and wasn't really willing to criticize him but you take perhaps a more nuanced approach and, and looking at the revolution so i wonder if you can reflect on that a bit yeah i mean you know certainly um Kwame Ture, um very publicly defended Secretore um um and his and his record um uh you know, some some say that after the 1970 attempted invasion, Portuguese invasion, um, this is kind of where things take a sort of turn for the worse in terms of Secretore's um, um, sort of repression and um, and you know, you know, you know the isolation, the pressures, this sort of looming security threat from from Portugal, from France. Um, you know, he's kind of pushed into a corner and 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 he takes quite um, drastic um, action. Um, you know, it's definitely fair to say. Um, Touré, um, you know, Touré is criticised for, for for this defence, in actual fact, um, and uh, you know, it, it's important to, to to sort of understand that, um, you know, Touré has few options, right? Um, he's basically banned from the Commonwealth, Commonwealth countries. He can't even go back to Trinidad and Tobago. He's banned from his from his own country, right? Um, he can't he can't go home. Um, he can't move and live permanently in America anymore, right? He can't go to you know to Britain or to countries that were formerly part of the British Empire. Um, the Fre- French um, sort of former colonies um, also you know don't want him right. right? Um, now there's also um, there are also reports that the Soviets um, are also after after Tory as well, right? <laughs> so he's pretty <laughs> he's pretty isolated in Guinea. Um, so that's that's important to sort of say. Um, at the same time, I think Tory. You know, as as the sort of sixties, seventies, into the eighties, you know, things were on. Um, Secretore's, you know, brand of Pan Africanism is like it's like the last man standing, right? Um, you know, Nkrumah is long, you know, long gone. Um, you know, the other sort of you know great projects, you know, people have been assassinated, um, taken out. Um, you know, there've been counter coups. You know, um, throughout the, you know, really from the you know from the off, you know, African independence. Um, and so Secretore is like the last um, sort of hope um, of Pan-Africanism. Um, so there's also an, an ideological um, alignment as well, um, I think, with that. With um, What I do understand, however, is that, um, you know, privately, um, Kwame Ture did help um, those families who were impacted by Sekutore, um, even though he publicly didn't say, say much about it. Um, that's, that, that's what I understand from, you know, from his family. Um, stuff because you know m- most most sort of prominent Guine- Guinean families were affected, right. and these were often often families that Kwame Ture himself knew. In in kind of reflecting on what happened uh, while he's there in Guinea, you know you note in the article about what happens when Sekutore dies, and then as you just mentioned, Kwame Ture, who previously is kind of trapped in Guinea, now finds the place that he was having refuge in is turning against him. You right. talk about the fact that he gets arrested by Lansana Conde. Um, can you re- talk a little bit more about what happened there? And also the, you mentioned this kind of network that comes up to try and get him uh, freed from imprisonment, spanning from people like Bessie Jackson. So what was what was occurring there and, and what how did he eventually find his way out of it and towards rebuilding the PDG, getting back involved in those politics in, in yeah. Guinea? So at the time of Secretary, um, Guinea is a, is a one-party state with the PDG. Uh, Party Democrat de, uh, de Guinea, I guess. Um, uh, Democracy de Guinea. And um, uh, what happens is that Secretary dies in, in, in 1984. Um, and 
there's uh, there's a coup that follows, um, you know, very soon after his death. Um, <clears throat> now, um, Lasana Conte, the coup leader, is is hostile to Secutore's, um, you know, followers, and, and and a lot of them are just. I mean, most of them are just wiped out. I mean, they're just you know we, we don't see them again. <laughs> you know, um, uh, but 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 at this moment, Kwame Ture, um, you know. He's not Guinean um, as such, um, you know, American Trinidadian. Um, he's um, he's basically um, rounded up and 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 imprisoned effectively. Um, and um, you know the, the you know the PD you know the PDG is banned at this point as well. Um, so really, like it's just com- it's a complete um, just just destruction um, of the party um, altogether. Um, and what happens? Um, this sort of um, you know, coming together of, of sort of activists and politicians, I think you mentioned Jesse Jackson, um, um, in the US basically, they sort of, you know, start to, um, you know, lobby, um, you know, American authorities, um, you know, Washington, um, and, and, and soon after, um, you know, Tory is, Tory is actually released. Um, but, you know, he's now living in a country where, number one, he's lost all of his privileges. He had not that he was sort of living large and right. you know in some like you know marble you know mansion with yeah. you know sort of colonnades or whatever um but he did have you know some sort of government housing and um he was he, he was actually a, you know a diplomat right, right. he was he was a, he was an amb- ambassador in fact um of sorts um for guinea um so now he has to find his own house and he goes to a neighborhood um, called Rotoma um and he doesn't have the access the governmental access he used to have and this was important because of his activism right um, by being a sort of a Guinean um, diplomat, um, he could travel, um, you know, freely and easily. Um, and, and now that that sort of privilege um, has been uh, rescinded, um, so there's a sort of period of of sort of six seven years where he's sort of like lying low um, and not really involved in politics in Guinea. Um, but in in the early nineties, um, you know. This idea, you know, France Afrique, which is really sort of this idea that, you know, France, you know, still dictates um, affairs in its former colonies. Um, France uh, sort of tells its former colonies that they need to um, open up, um, you know, democratically and and and, and sort of have like multi- and become sort of multi-party states. You know, a lot of them are sort of one-party states, um, backed by France. <laughs> um, uh, so um, Guinea is one of those countries, and so ironically. Um, that opens things up for the PDG to then sort of reemerge, um, and you know Touré, you know goes to you know neighbourhoods and he's sort of you know signing people up to join the party. Um, it looks you know all very promising um, and everything. Um, he, he, I mean, he's he, he's disappointed in the end when um, the party sort of actually joins an alliance with Lasana Conte um, while he's sort of away. Um, so you know that that sort of you know is a disappointment, but um, he is sort of credited as sort of being one of the sort of refounders you know of the party, and you know, party documents sort of show him as um, they sort of describe him as um, one of the sort of you know immortals, like you know alongside uh, Kwame Ture and um, and also Secretary as well. Mm-hmm. You sort of see his figure appear in some of those documents, party documents. Um, With that, I, I'm I'm curious to reflect a little bit on his involvement with the all African people's revolutionary party as well. And to kind of, to kind of expand from that about his general political philosophy. I I wonder to the extent you encounter this in, in the documents you reviewed and doing the research, but it strikes me that he was still felt like a foreigner at the end of the day and 
was not completely part of this country while still being there as a diplomat and as a political activist. I wonder how that connects to his political philosophy of trying to push pan-Africanism with the All-African People's Revolutionary Party of his kind of status in Guinea at the same time being uh, sort of on the outside while trying to be a part of this political process. You know, I think Kwame Touré's influence in Guinea really sort of flowed through Secretary, if anything. Um, and, you know, without those privileges, you know, he wasn't you know, as influential. Um, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know, what do I mean by influential? Um, you know, he, he wasn't so, as far as I, I know, he wasn't so kind of caught up in Guinea's internal, um, you know, sort of affairs. And, uh, you know, he, he had his own political party, which he ran, the AAPRP, the All-African Revolutionary People's Party, um, which really took up most of his time during the African period. Um, it's hard to tell. I, I haven't been able to really gauge um, to what extent, you know, he was accepted or, you know, or whatnot. But, you know, there are, there are some key party people who said, you know, who said that he was really, um, you know, someone that was close to the party and um, and that they really looked up to and, you know, were inspired by. Um, and it's interesting as well, you know, he, you know, Tory never actually learned um, a local language in Guinea. Um, his French was was sort of good enough to sort of, you know, conversational French. He could sort of get by French. Um, but he, he never he never learned a local language. So, you know, obviously there's a, you know, there's a limit to right. um, sort of interactions he could have. Um, so that's one thing to also bear in mind. Um, so the AAPRP was founded um, in Conakry in 1968 mm-hmm. um, by Kwame Nkrumah, um, by Kwame Toure and a few others um, in, in, in Conakry. And... The idea of the party really um, was to sort of unify um, what Nkrumah described as liberated territories, right? right. So, th- so th- these were places on the continent um, that had been freed from colonialism um, and um, were now going to sort of be um, joined together to form a sort of pan-African um, you know, federation of some sort. Mm-hmm. Um, now, um, Nkrumah also thought um, that the liberation wars taking place um, so against the Portuguese but also in Southern Africa right. um, in Zimbabwe um, um, for instance um, that these were sort of like the beginnings of a, of a continent continent wide um, you know sort of um, uprising basically right um, and, it's, and it's interesting Nkrumah was really influenced a lot by Cabral so Cabral would stop by right. um, Nkrumah's home um, Villa Silly in, in Conakry and they'll have a, like you know a little chat um, about things and you know he would sort of pass, pass information from you know, the, fr- the front lines um, and so, you know, Nkrumah was sort of, you know, anticipated sort of guerrilla warfare right. um, would take place. And, you know, these liberated territories would then be coordinated by the AAPRP. Right. Um, so, so what the party did was, um, though Nkrumah was really um, focused on Africa, um, unifying Africa, Toure um, said, well, you know, I'm going back to America. Why don't I start a chapter there? Right. And we can also bring the diaspora into this, right? right. Um, so the party spreads, really, um, and it becomes, in the 70s, really one of the 70s and 80s really one of the biggest perhaps the biggest like pan-african when i say pan-african i mean across the diaspora more than african continent um you know organization um and it has chapters in the caribbean in you know in britain in 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 the us and particularly washington dc has a very big chapter and you know hosts like all these sort of leaders and speakers um and is able to lobby you know you know washington um you know politicians in washington as well um but it's also um, an important um, 
vehicle for Kwame Ture's own um, politics, right? And so, you know, what was politics, right? So um, we spoke about him moving from a non-violent integrationist even stance to um, one that's uh, more militant, self-defense, um, and, and, and more leftist, and having a, more, a broader internationalist um, analysis. So Ture um, adopts what, um, you know, incrumism, it's sort of incrumism, um, which is also um, combined with sort of Secretore's own philosophy, right? Secretore, um, over the 26 years of his um, rule, he writes 26 books, right? So he's a kind of philosopher king. Right. <clears throat> and really at the heart of this philosophy is really um, Nkrumah's idea um, of the sort of triple heritage. So this idea that um, a future Africa has to um, come to terms with its um, sort of traditional African heritage, um, its Islamic heritage, and also its European heritage, right? Um, and so Krum is trying to find a way to blend those together. Um, because um, there's a sort of like um, a spiritual dimension to this as well. It differs from, you know, sort of, you know, Marxism, right? But, but Krum does, um, you know, take a, you know, he sort of believes in, um, you know, sort of this idea of sort of, you know, cl- you know, um, you know, sort of, in some ways, I guess. I, I guess. I mean, he, he does adopt like aspects of Marxism. Yeah. Um, you know, believing in sort of um, you know these sort of clashes or you know warfare between classes, basically. Right. Um, you know, as you know, as which is kind of what what he talks about when um, he says about this sort of continent-wide sort of um, uprising against the sort of neo-colonial classes. Well, There's this idea that um, you know political parties um, have to cultivate this. Um, what's called a sort of um, a sort of African personality, right? right? So there's a sort of um, idealized African personality they're trying to cultivate. Someone who is who's generous, someone who is hardworking, um, someone who you know who has like strong values as well. Um, so there's there's also this as well, and, and the party goes to great lengths to um, you know draw from African leaders and writers in order to instill that philosophy within you know within their programs and stuff. Um, so this is also part of, you know, part of um, kind of how they, um, how they sort of see things. I'm, I'm curious just to reflect, and this may not be so much of a structured question, but just on why you wrote the, this research, why you were so fascinated by yeah. investigating the life of Kwame Ture, um, and also his relevance for today. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned a little bit throughout um, some of his connections to Cuba, which I found really interesting mm-hmm. of this. But so, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious about not only why you, re- why you did the research, why you investigated, but also your methodology of doing it, kind of like going out and investigating and uh, interviewing people in person. So if you could just reflect on that. Yeah, um, I think I think Tori is really relevant um, for a number of reasons. So I think that there's always a focus on Tore, um, the, the American Tore, right, effectively. Like, I mean, he, he lives, what, 16 years in America? But that's all we really get, you know, about him. We don't, we don't know he's Trinidadian, <laughs> like, a lot of the time. Um, and... We just get his period from, you know, joining SNCC all the way to, um, you know, Black Panthers and leaving the US, um, the Black Power Tour. Um, but he lives for another, like, 30 years, right? And um, I think that he really becomes, like, the sort of pan-Africanist par excellence. Like, he, you know, he, he becomes, like, um, you know, the standard bearer of pan-Africanism, right? And his party does as well for, like, a good generation. So um, that aspect of his life, I think, is really, really important. Um, and, and, you know, he's... He's trying to uphold Pan Africanism at a time where I think there's a sort of, 
you know, the movement is, is sort of splintering, you know, countries have become independent. Those countries, you know, have, have, have then sort of fallen into neocolonialism. There's all sort of coups, counter coups, you know, um, civil wars taking place. Um, but he still sort of holds that banner um, sort of high. Um, but again, um, there's another layer to Tory, and that's his internationalism, right? Um, you know, um, as much as he was a pan-Africanist, he's also an internationalist, right? And he's, and he's connecting, um, you know, what's going on in the continent to, to issues outside the continent, right? So I, I'll give you one example. Um, in, uh, in the early 90s, he sets up something called um, the Worldwide Anti-Zionist um, Federation, right? Um, and the idea is that he wants to bring together um, black groups from across Africa and the diaspora to basically oppose Israeli Zionism and support the Palestinians, right? So this is, this is, this is quite like, you know, um, I was gobsmacked when I saw this, right? I mean, yeah. this is like, you know, he's, 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 he's making this into like a sort of black issue, right? Um, and a priority. Um, and um, this group is founded and, you know, there you know, are groups from four continents that he's trying to bring together to, you know, to form this. I don't know how far it got. It doesn't seem it got too far off the ground as the Cold War was coming to an end and things were changing. Um, but his internationalism, you know, there, there are hundreds of groups, really. Um, there's a list, actually, um, that I found um, that worked with the AAPRP. Um, you know, American, indigenous American movements, um, movements in South America, um, in Bolivia, uh, movements um, that, you know, um, you, have, um, you have, you have Sinn Féin um, working, working closely with the AAPRP. Um, you have the Polisario Front, they're in contact with them in, in Western Sahara. Um, so, you know, they, they really are um, one of the key um, nodes of internationalism, I think, in the sort of 70s, 80s, into the 90s. Um, and I think, for me, that's a really important part of, of Touré's legacy, why I wanted to focus on that, because um, I think today, like, um, we've lost that spirit of internationalism, and mm-hmm. things have become so narrow, so at- atomized, um, you know, people, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, make a big sort of grand um, gesture about activism today, but I think, I think, I think things, things are different. Um, that's not to dismiss, you know, the, you know, the, you know, the things that are good. Um, but there is a sort of, um, there does sometimes tend to be a sort of navel gazing, I find. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes, um, I feel sometimes we we often try and find the identify the problems of why we can't do something, yeah. rather than find the ways to overcome our our shortcomings um, and actually do something together. You know, um, and I think when it comes to solidarity, like there's no one like Kwame Ture. Yeah. Um so that, that was a big like a big um, inspiration for why I wanted to write the book. Um, you know, um, additionally as well, I think. You know, Kwame Ture dies like 1998, which is a few years, you know, before the war on terror um, sort of kicks off, um, you know, 2001 onwards. Um, and I just, I just find it interesting how he is able to connect various struggles um, and to see the sort of change in face, um, you know, of imperialism as a, as a, as a sort of... Um, you know, manifest in different ways. Um, and I just, I just wondered that, you know, had he lived for, um, you know, a bit longer, um, you know, what could have, what, you know, what could have happened, you know, in terms of um, galvanizing, you know, um, you know, sort of um, people to sort of oppose some of 
um, you know, America's foreign policy and even domestic policy, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, you know, that was sort of taken off and making those connections between um, the international dimensions of American foreign policy and what's going, what's going on, you know, here, you know, connecting, I don't know, you know, Guantanamo to yeah. um, policing in Chicago, as we know, there's a connection, you know, um, connecting what's going on, you know, in Iraq and, you know, Palestine, um, you know, to, to what's happening, um, you know, communities here as well. Um, so yeah, I, I feel we're in need of a, of a, of a big um, analysis, right? Um, and I think, I think he was able to, he was attempting to do that. And I think that should serve as an inspiration for us today. Sorry, I did just want to ask another question kind of on the, the methodology as well, because yeah. I think it's quite interesting. Kind of, you, you mentioned at the beginning, yeah. being in West Africa and traveling to kind of try and retrace the footsteps. And in the article, you talk about meeting Hajitore, going uh, yeah. to the villa, you know, and, and kind of getting to see these things in person, which, as you mentioned, with respect to a kind of internationalism of actually going and traveling to these places, retracing the footsteps, meeting people and doing these interviews in person, which, of course, is a great way to get people's trust and kind of uh, get their their full opinion. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the process of doing the research. I'm sure that's like a whole other story yeah. to go into, but just some of the the more interesting aspects for you getting to travel in West Africa as well and kind of look at the situation, the social situation especially, that Kwame Tori would have been confronting when he was there. Yeah, I mean, I lived in Senegal for three years and, uh, you know, circumstances in, you know, in, Af in, in that part of West Africa are, you know, difficult for, you know, for most people, yeah. you know, it's fair to say, right? Um, and, um, you know, even just going, you know, even just the mode of transport of getting to Guinea um, you know, it's like a a people carrier that's probably can carry eighteen people, like twenty five inside, and you know, there's 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 a stack of like luggage on top of the um, the bus that is equal to the height <laughs> of the bus, yeah. <laughs> doubling its size, right? Um, you're on these bumpy roads and you're speeding around corners because you know the driver is hasn't slept yeah. and needs to get get there in order to like you know make some money make it worthwhile you know so the roads are bumpy you're going up in through mountain valleys and anything can happen right we could, we could just, you know so yeah, these are the sort, of, you know, the sort of conditions that um you know um that I was sort of traveling in um and for me like I just think it was really important to actually like go to Guinea and like honor that because people have written books about Kwame Turi and just not even like yeah, gone to Guinea honestly. like you know like I don't I don't really understand um like like how you could how you could do that um so i think when i wrote this it was really important for me it wasn't just about like getting the information um about toure it was really important like the storytelling aspect of it like this was like super super important the way that i told the story um because um i i just i just feel that like you know, if you're going to read something, like, why not just, like, enjoy it a little bit? <laughs> I mean, you know, you know, like, you know, why not? Like, I, mean, I, I don't know if people have enjoyed it, but... Um, that, 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 that reading the, the narrative of the, the article on the view of the African Post, mm. like, you can, you can hear kind of, like, a, a narrative storytelling. So. Right. Yeah, that, that was... I mean, it was, it was an attempt at, you know, yeah. doing that, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just found that... I, I, I just felt it needed to be done that way. Um, and not just, you know, kind of dry, sort of, like, recounting of facts, like, you know... You know, this happened in 69 and 70 and 71, this happened. 
Um, so, but you know, the, the thing about my journalism, so I, I worked, I worked in West Africa about three years, I worked for um, mainly Al Jazeera and Middle East I also worked for the Daily Telegraph um, from the UK. Um, and I, you know, I covered Mali, traveled to Mali, Mauritania, um, traveled to the Gambia, Senegal, obviously, um, um, and then went to, went to Guinea. Um, and I think one of the things about my journalism is that like, I, I, I've always used journalism as a way to actually just like pursue my own personal interests, right? right? So, um, you know, if I'm going to do a story about, I mean, I'm interested in Africa anyway, right? So just being in Africa, I'm pursuing my personal interests, right? You know, I, I'm someone of African descent, like, so finding something new about Africa is I'm pursuing that interest. Um, so also going to, you know, see Hajar Toure, the wife of Sekutore, going to um, Kwame Toure's old neighborhoods and stuff, going through the archive, I'm getting the political education as well, right. you know? Um, I'm not I'm not just some objective, like, no. ob- you know, uh, you know, un- um, uninvolved like observer like I'm I'm also involved in this like I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm not of course um, so I'm get I'm also getting an education in that um, and I'm a I'm a firm believer in in sort of like in just having experiences like um, I don't like you know as a journalist you know being up up close with someone um, talking to them you know I met I met Hajatore the wife of Sekatore. Um, in Kwame Nkrumah's old residence, right? Like she lives in Kwame Nkrumah's old residence, right? So, you know, it's just sort of sitting there thinking about, um, you know, the walls, you know, the, 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 the pictures hanging on the walls are all secretary. You know, at one point it would, would have been Kwame Nkrumah. He would have been in the lounge that I was sitting in, sort of, um, you know, listening to um, BBC World Service, you know, going out into the um, balcony, you know, with the, the sea um, sort of... Um, there and sort of doing some stretching. Apparently, he was into yoga. Apparently, <laughs> Kwame Krumah. Um and then like um, playing chess. He used to play chess, Kwame Krumah. Um So I, I imagine that you know the table, you know, over there, like mahogany table, the far end of the room, he's maybe playing chess, and then he was sitting there with Cabral, like you know, there were all these yeah. things like um, that were kind of you know evoking, um, you know, when I was there. So um, it was a great experience for me, but also it helped me to like I, I, I had to experience it myself in order to write the book right. and to and, and to make the book like um, an experience for other people. That's that's kind of like um, how I looked at it, um, but it was it was it was it was hard. Like I mean, it's not it's not a very long book. It's in terms of the way it's work out like fifteen thousand words, right? From start to finish, it took a year and a half to write to write that, um, which is which is a long time to you know. I, I mean, I wasn't working on it full time, but it's still a long time from start to finish to get something done. Um, and it, it, it was it was it was diff- it was it was just hard, difficult to like try and make that story like succinct but also make it like um readable and 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 kind of coherent as well yeah excellent well thank you so much uh it was a pleasure to talk to you do you mind just letting people know where they can find your work um and just any other information so at the moment um the book is actually out of print and um but it's been uh, republished um shortly um by an organization called publishing house called um, decolonizing the archive, um, which, which are UK based. Um, so, so do look out for it, um, and and yeah, I hope you you know feel free to follow me on on Twitter um, uh-huh. at TJ Mandler. Yeah, um, yourself, right? yeah. <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, and um, and yeah, thank you, thank you for having me. It's been yeah, a pleasure. Yeah, I'm totally confused. I'm telling you. Seriously.